Overflow podcast. We pray that you are encouraged with this message. For more information, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. We're going to talk about communion a little bit, but I kind of wanted to transition from our journey series that we were on with this scripture, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, where most of us are familiar with it. Uh, it's a pretty go-to scripture when you need direction in your life, and that's what we talked a lot. We actually didn't use this, this uh, a whole lot in our series, uh, but I felt like it was a good uh, segue to get us in uh, to what we're going to be talking about this morning. It's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. You guys are familiar with it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Everybody say all. If you had a Bible, uh, we used to do this in church. If you had a Bible that you wrote in, you would under tell everybody to underline that or highlight that. So I would say that right there, all your heart, trust in the Lord with all your heart. How many know that, that God will only be satisfied with the all, right? He loves you. He accepts you just where you're at. Come on, are you with me? But he won't be satisfied until he has all of you. The devil will be satisfied with just a little bit, but God won't be. And uh, don't you love that about God, that he wants all of you? It's not like he's demanding it, uh, but he wants it. Come on, it's his, it's his desire. And so trust the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. And we talked a lot about understanding and sometimes, especially in charismatic circles, which we are, people kind of, you know, dismiss understanding. You just don't understand it. You don't understand it. But I believe God wants us to pursue understanding. In fact, Scripture tells us to do that. Chase after understanding. Chase after wisdom. These are things that we're going after. Um, But we don't lean on our own understanding. I don't trust my own understanding. Uh, What I do is I trust Him. And this is what it says, how we do that. In all of your ways, acknowledge Him. And He will make your paths straight. You know, they say that the quickest, and I I believe this, they say it because it's true, that the quickest route between two points is a straight line, right? Come on. Uh, How many of y'all have ever taken a road trip and you've kind of gone the back way and you knew it was going to take a little bit longer, but it might be the more scenic route, right? And then you get about halfway into it and you wish you would have taken the straight way, right? And so many times in our life, we, we might end up at the same place, but it might take us longer to get there. And the road might be rougher and the road might be more tangled. But, but if we are pursuing the Lord, if we're chasing the Lord, then, then that says that he will make our paths straight. That if we're following the Lord, if we're abandoning all and pursuing Jesus, then what happens is he makes that, that straight way for us. That he, he prepares that way uh, for us. That word there... Yara, uh, the word acknowledge in uh, in the in the Hebrew language is actually the word yara, which means uh, to know. So it actually, we we say acknowledge, kind of like we were talking a little bit earlier, like hey, what's up? But actually, the word it, that is the most the most extreme word of knowing something is the word that's used there, yara. Like Abraham knew Sarah, like Adam knew Eve. Intimacy is what's communicated there in the word yara. So in all of your ways. Know the Lord. Are you with me? Uh, not just at church, not just in your religious pursuit, not just in your uh, 10 minutes of devotion that you read that day, in all of your ways. Come on, in, in the way that you work, in the way that you raise your children, in the way that you uh, serve people, the way that you love people, the way everything that you do, acknowledge the Lord. In everything, know the Lord. God, how can I, when, when we do something, we should ask the Lord, how can I know you in this? Right? Most of the time, we, the question that we ask is, how can I get out of this? Right? <laughs> Lord, do I have to? Right? How can I get out of this situation? How can I get out of this circumstance? And God is saying, in all your ways, in, in whichever direction you're going, or whatever situation or circumstance you're in, know me. 
experience me, encounter me, experience the Lord, encounter the Lord in every area. And what happens when we do that, what happens when we pursue him in those difficulties, in, those, in the easy places, in the gray places, and in the dark places, when we acknowledge him, when we know the, him in those areas, in every area, when we yada him, he straightens out the path. It's like, like you have a, like you have that uh, water hose. You guys, probably some of y'all ever used a water hose before, right? You water the yard and sometimes you get a kink in it or it needs to be straightened up. And what do you do? You pop it into place, right? Grab that hose and you pop it, right? And that's what the Lord does when we acknowledge him. He pops that line into place. He straightens out our path. Um, when we, when we know the Lord, um, by acknowledging him, by, and listen, it's, it's not a recognition. And that, I think that sometimes that's the understanding of that scripture. It's not like, yeah, on my way, say. It's, like, it's kind of like what we see many celebrities do, right? When they get an award, they're like, oh, I want to thank God. Right? So it's like, I want to acknowledge God in that sense of the word of just kind of recognize. God doesn't want to just be recognized. He wants to be known. And when we know him, he lines everything up in our life. Pah, snaps it into place. Not with a whip, but... You know, just sometimes it's a whip, but normally it's just, a, and if it is a whip, it's just to straighten out the path. We got to understand the good father. Um, so when, by acknowledging him, by knowing him is really what we're doing is we're, we're letting, we're establishing his kingship, his rulership in every area of my life. When I know the Lord in that, I'm saying, Jesus, I want you to be king here. Jesus, I want you to be king in my parenting. Jesus, I want you to be king in my marriage. Jesus, I want to know you. I want your kingdom established here. And so when that happens, what happens is when we're doing that, we're, we're kind of laying out the red carpet. Are you guys with me? We're laying out the red carpet. You guys know the red carpet for the king. We kind of roll it out. And so what happens is these areas in our life begin to bow. Check this out. This is John the Baptist, Luke chapter 3. Then John went from place to place. Now, now, if you know anything about John the Baptist, John the Baptist is crazy. He's just kind of like, he's, he's, he's the guy that you see that doesn't smell too good and eats weird things and kind of a hippie. Uh, he would be that, that guy now. He, if, if John the Baptist was today, he would live in a, a tiny house off the grid, right? He, that's what he would do. And so he would just be that guy, but he had a voice. In fact, many, in fact, part of the reason why he lived outside of town is because nobody wanted anything to do with him except for a few followers that he had. But John the Baptist had a mission in his life. He's, he's like, I don't really care about all the luxuries of this life. I'll take the Nazarite vow. I'll live, I'll live a consecrated life because my one goal in life, if we could be like John the Baptist, would be awesome, is to prepare the way for the Lord. We call this the forerunner anointing. So John the Baptist was this forerunner for Jesus. He wasn't Jesus. He was the Messiah, but he was preparing the way for Jesus. So when Jesus launches his ministry, who was there to provide the way for him? Who was there to roll out the red carpet? John the Baptist. So for us, we want God to do a work in our heart, right? We want to prepare the way for God to move in my life. Then what I got to do is I got to roll out the red carpet. Check this out. Now, I believe that when Jesus shows up on the scene, many of these things happen. We're preparing the way, but as the Lord comes, the way is being prepared. Does that make sense? It's not, you don't have it all figured out, right? But as you prepare the way, God is making the way straight. And, I, and I've really kind of, this week, I've been just kind of wrestling with the scripture. Check this out. So John went from place to place and on both sides of the Jordan, preaching that people should be baptized and show that they have turned to God to receive his forgiveness of sins. Isaiah had spoken of John, Isaiah chapter 40, if you want to look at that later, had spoken of John when he said, he is a voice shouting in the wilderness. 
So here was John out living in his tiny home, right, with dreadlocks, eating locusts and honey, right, eating gr- granola and, and uh, fig leaves. I don't know. And so he's out there, and what was John doing when he was out there? He was preaching. He didn't have a large crowd. There's probably a little, just a little bit bigger crowd probably than we have here today. And nobody else would listen to him. All the religious people, all the people have figured out wouldn't listen to him. What was he doing? He's preparing the way of the Lord. So he's a voice. So let me, let me just say that sometimes in your obscurity, in your dark place, when you feel like you're unsuccessful, just keep declaring the way of the Lord. Just keep declaring that. Just keep declaring that. It doesn't matter. Well, you know, what, what if nobody shows up? Right? What, what if I do all this prepping and nothing works? Well, then you still prepare the way of the Lord because you're being obedient to him. Y'all okay? All right. So here's a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Shouting. There's another thing. Don't let your voice be quiet. If you're going to have a purpose, have a purpose. Don't be like, oh, well, I'm just going to have, you know, this little idea that God would like to do with my life. And you're kind of bashful about it. No, no, no room for that. There's no room for that. You shout it. You shout your purpose. You shout your message. Don't allow the culture to subdue that. Don't allow people that laugh at you and tell you your dreams are too big. Don't, don't let them subdue you with their opinions and their attitudes and all that kind of stuff. You shout it. You shout that message. You be that message. And um, now there's a whole other thing about John the Baptist about living a consecrated life. And, I mean, he didn't just say it. Come on, he lived it. I mean, he was, this guy was trippy. I mean, he would not be in most of our churches, right? He, he definitely for sure wouldn't be on TV. I can promise you that. Okay. I mean, who puts that guy on TV, right? Okay. So prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. And then it says this, the valleys will be filled and the mountains and hills made level. The curves will be straightened and the rough places made smooth. Kind of like what's talking about whenever we trust the Lord, right? The same thing. And then all people will see the salvation sent from God. So there's the preparing of the rolling out the, the red carpet. But it's also whenever we roll out the carpet, when we're trying to make the straight ways, whenever we're driving to see those things happen in our life, not only are those things preparing the way for the Lord, but, but the Lord kind of completes the work. So it's like you might be trying to straighten. You know, this is the deal. I've heard people do this. But, well, I'm going to come to Jesus one day in my life, but first I want to get all straightened out. How many know you'll never come to Jesus if that's the case? But what we do is we do try to straighten out. But what happens when the Lord shows up on the scene and we roll out that red carpet with our desire and with our passion to prepare that way, he makes the way straight. Right? So it's like the ways I'm trying to straighten it out, Lord. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I know that. I appreciate that. I love your effort. I love that you want to do that for me. And then he shows up and he's like, snap, let me make it straight. Because what happens when the king shows up, everything falls into order. The low places will be brought up. The low places bow. So your low places bow. The things that you're discouraged about must bow to the kingship of Jesus. Because in his kingdom, there's no discouragement. Well, I'm discouraged. That's right. That spirit or that emotion that you're feeling is not in subjection to Jesus. It's not because you have a sin in your life. It's just you need to bring that demonic thing under the obedience of Jesus. He doesn't rule with discouragement. He doesn't rule that God struck me a sickness. He can't do that. That's not inside his kingdom. 
That's of a different kingdom. Sickness is of a different kingdom. Discouragement, lack, different kingdom. So what we do is we bring those things and we say, God, snap it into order. I'm rolling out the red carpet. I need, I need healing from heart disease, so I'm going to control my diet. I'm doing what I can do, but he's, pop, snapping it into order because I'm bringing it to him. Don't ever let anyone tell you that God uses the tools of the devil to accomplish his works. He doesn't need to do that. Sickness isn't from God. It's from the devil. It's from the fall. It's a result of sin. Maybe not a result of your sin, but the sin of Adam. It's a result of a fallen world. It's not of his kingdom. On earth as it is in heaven. Is heaven, is there sickness? Is heaven their sorrow? Is heaven their lack? No. What does a kingdom mean? The king's dominion, the king's rule. So we come to him, we lay out, and he snaps in an order. So low places are raised, rough places are made smooth. Crooked places straight. We know the Lord. We yada. Lord, here it is. I know you. I'm acknowledging you in this area. And he's like, that's right. Let me straighten it out. In all my ways, I'm knowing you. And he's like, yes, I'm snapping it out. I'm straightening it up. I'm raising it up. So when we take communion, what we're doing is we're remembering that. And some of you are like, well, okay, let's, let's talk about that. Because how? Because something had to be established in order for the cooker places to made, be made straight. To make the hard places soft. Something has to happen, Right? How many know that something already happened? There's got to be the activation of that. There's got to be the receiving end of that. But it's already happened. So what we do when we take communion is we're remembering what happened. Let's get into that. All right. So 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 23, it says, The Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Isn't that good? This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So Jesus took the bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body, it's for you. Now, how many know when he was talking, he was having an illustrated sermon, right? The illustrated sermon for the ages. Breaking the bread. Boom, I'm broken. My body's going to be broken for you. It's for you. It's not against you, right? It's not at you. It's for you. I'm doing it for you. So, when, so we always had that. When we, when, we, when we take communion, remember, he broke it for me. In the same way, after he took the cup, saying, this is the cup of my new covenant. So we have the body being broken, and we have the new covenant of his blood. He said, do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. So when we take communion, part of the reason why we don't do it every week, as some, some do, is because we want, when we take it, we want to remember. We really want, we don't want to just be like, oh yeah, let's, let's pay my little religious duty and eat the little cracker and drink the little juice and then I'm spiritual today. No, no, no. We, when we do it, we want it to mean something. We want to recognize that illustrated sermon that Jesus gave us that his body was broken for me, that his blood was shed for me. It's a new covenant. It's a new promise that God has made for me. So what are we remembering? First of all, we're remembering the price that he paid. This is my body. What, what happened to Jesus' body? It was broken. That's why he broke the bread. It was broken. This is my body. It's for you. 
My body's being broken. Isaiah 53, this, is, this goes into what happened to Jesus in, in pretty great detail. He was despised and rejected. Now listen, when Jesus takes on these things, he takes on them to take the sting out of it for you. So Jesus was despised and rejected so you could be loved and accepted. See, Jesus took rejection. We're going to get rejected. People are going to reject us all the more in the culture we live in. We're going to get rejected. You follow Jesus, you're going to be rejected. Promise from Scripture. Highlight that one. Put it on your, people will hate you because of me. Jesus said it. Okay? We will be rejected. But the sting of that is taken away. Because we're not rejected by God. We may be rejected by men, but we're accepted and loved by God. So Jesus took the sting of being despised and rejected. We talk about the cross all the time. But listen, the rejection that he faced was to take the sting of it away from you and to show you the love of the Father. Rejected by men, a man of sorrow and familiar with suffering. Now, when it says that Jesus, people have taken this and they say, well, Jesus was a sorrowful man. And they use this scripture, right? Oh, he was full of sorrow. In that moment, he was full of sorrow because he took, he wasn't, Jesus wasn't depressed. There's no room for depression in his kingdom. It's not a condemning thing. It's just saying, let's let him work on it. It's just like if I'm sick, I got a headache. What did you do to get a headache? I don't know. But I know that God wants to snap it into order. So what I'm going to do is do my best to get it lined up with his kingdom. In heaven, there's no headaches. So there should be no, no headaches on the earth. That's what Jesus said to pray. Well, I'll just pray in the will of God. Lord, if it's your will, take away my headache. You know the will of God. On earth as it is in heaven. Okay. So now you can pray the will of God. You have it right there. That's, that's the blueprint. On earth as it is in heaven. Well, I'm not sure I agree with that. Well, you, you have to take it up with Jesus then. How can God undo something he's already done? Either he took sickness or he didn't. Or he took disease or he didn't. Did he take it or not? Uh, it's, it's speaking of a spiritual thing. So why doesn't it say that? Well, God wants us to be poor. No, it says in his poverty that you may, you may be made rich. Now, he's not talking about rich like the world thinks about rich, where you're driving, you know, bubble bath limos. We're not talking about that. We're talking about not being in lack. All right. A man of sorrows, I know I'm jumping off the scriptures here, but I want you guys to get this. This is, this is what he paid for. You don't have to pay for it. Isn't that good? All right, a man of sorrow. And man, we've done that in the church sometimes. We've beaten people up for their past sins. Jesus was already beaten up for your sins. Word. Like one from whom men hid their faces. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. He took up our sickness. He carried your sorrows. You don't have to live in sorrow. He carried your sorrow. He was sorrowful, so you don't have to be sorrowful. He was depressed in that moment, so you don't have to be depressed. He was alone in that moment, so you don't have to feel alone. That's what he did. He took care of it. You don't have to do anything for it. He paid for it. We remember the price he paid. He carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. 
So you don't have to pay for the sins that you've committed. You don't have to pay for them. Can I tell you today, today you're going to sin. You don't have to pay for those sins. You're going to sin today. It might be a little sin, but in your eyes it might be a little sin. But you don't have to pay for those sins. Jesus already paid for them. (gasps) Thank God. Because I have a long account. (laughs) Right? I mean, I'm in the red. Right? With my righteousness. But he paid for it. Y'all okay today? Yet we consider him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. Why? Why by God? Because Jesus had to face the judgment for sin. Because there has to, sin does have to be paid for. Sin has to be accounted for. So why do we trust Jesus? So our sin can be accounted for. Because if you don't trust Jesus, if you don't go to him, if you don't make that withdrawal from his bank, then no, your sin's not accounted for. You can deal with it, and you can read the books, and you can get the counseling. You can go through all of it to change your ways. Or you can come to Jesus and be like, I am a screw-up, and I keep blowing it, and I can't do anything about it. And he's like, that's okay, I already did. Game over. Okay. Addiction, all of it. Crushed for our iniquities. He was broken for my sin, not his sin. He didn't sin. He carried my sin. He was crushed for my sin. Josh Brown's sin. Leslie Brown's sin, although there are not very many of them, he died for those. He died for your sin. No matter how grave it was, no matter how dark it is, no matter how bad society thinks it is or the church thinks it is, no matter how bad God thinks it is, because God thinks it's bad. God hates sin. Because sin punishes us. God doesn't punish you because of sin. Sin sin bears in itself a punishment. That's why you look look at people that's been on drugs for 30, 40 years. Sin bears within itself punishment. And what does he want to do? He just wants to rot it. He just wants to fix it. He just wants to justify it. He don't want to sit here and go, well, you know, you've lived the last 40 years. <laughs> I don't know if the cross is good enough for that. That's not the way it works. <laughs> the low place is made high. The low seasons made high. See, you don't ever have to live your life with regret anymore. Never again do you have to live life and go, I wish I wouldn't have done that. Never again do you have to say that. Because he makes the low places high. He makes the crooked places straight. So you don't have to live in condemnation. You don't have to live in shame. You just have to surrender to Jesus. And allow him to make the crooked places straight. Because that's what he do. By his wounds, we are healed. We might be healed. If it's his will, we'll be healed. No, his will is that you're healed. Jesus can't unpay what he already paid for. 
if I went and bought Benny here a Lamborghini and said, Benny, you've d been a good man, and I just ran across a quarter of a million dollars, and I've got cash, and I just want to honor you, so let's go down to the Lamborghini dealership up in Plano or wherever it is, and let's buy you a Lamborghini. Here's the keys. I actually purchased it, but I put it in Benny's name and gave him the keys. There's a Lamborghini, and Benny just stays down here in Grand Prairie the whole time. How many of you know that Lamborghini is just going to sit there in the parking lot? It's been paid for. You just got to get it. Right? You can get in and drive it. Yeah, I know you could. <laughs> or you could sell it. All right. All right, so. I said a quarter of a million dollars. I think that's what they were like 30 years ago, so I'm sure they're much more than that now. Okay. But I bet if he showed up with cash. different. Okay. So we all like sheep have gone astray. Come on. We've all done it. We've all turned our own way, but the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. All the sin, all the junk, all the bad choices, all the stupid decisions we made, God laid upon Jesus those iniquities. That's the good news. And there was a punishment, and there was a lot of bleeding. And there was a lot of brokenness, and there was a lot of whipping, and there was a lot of, if I could just get out of this, in those moments, in those hours, there was a lot of that. There was a lot of, can I make it? Can I do this? Can I endure? So it says that, it says that he endured the cross. It was great joy. It was a joy set before him because he knew the reward, but he still had to endure. He still had to deal with the pain and the punishment. And all the, the sin and all the junk that went on him, all the sickness, all the addiction, all the disease went upon that body that day. Every little sin, every big sin that you committed, all put on that man, Jesus. All of it. In December, the Lord, I really felt like I had a prophetic word, and some of y'all were here um, for our church. But as I've been thinking about it and, and sharing it with people, I really feel like it is a word for 2015. If y'all remember, I shared it. And... Uh, so God's just really been reminding me. It's, it's the middle of the year, and God's been reminding me of, of this word. And, you know, I'm, I'm prophetic in the sense, like, I feel like I hear from the Lord sometimes for people. Um, but rarely do I feel like I get a prophetic word that's for the whole church, like our church or the church in general. But I feel like that this is a prophetic word in general. And uh, this has been a difficult year for some of you. Last year was a difficult year for you. But we believe that God redeems sorrow. And I wanted to hit on this today because we're talking about remembering, and I think it's important that we remember what God has said. Uh, Psalm 56, 8 says this. It says, you keep track of my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in a bottle, and you've recorded each one in your book. So what happened is in December, I was praying. I was like, Lord, what's up with that? Like, why are you keeping an account of my, sin, of, of my, of my tears? Like, why are you counting my tears and keeping them in a bottle? Right? I mean, I don't cry a lot. I cry sometimes, so my bottle's probably a little bit smaller than some of y'all's. But we've all got a bottle in heaven with our tears in it. And there's a book that God writes it down. He says, oh, they cried today. And so I asked the Lord, I was like, Lord, why are you keeping count? Why is there an account of my tears? Like, that's kind of weird. Right? I mean, you could write a, a scary movie about someone that keeps track of somebody's sorrow. 
Right? I mean, that's just kind of strange. God, why would you do that? Right? So I'm asking the Lord. And the Lord, Holy Spirit reminded me of the scripture right here. Psalm 126.6, it says, He who goes out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with him. Carrying sheaves, carrying abundance of joy. This is what the Lord told me in, 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 in that moment. He said, because those that sow in tears will reap in joy. So for every single tear, God makes sure that that will be redeemed. He makes sure that you will increase. It is a seed. And when you plant a seed, you don't get one apple. Tear, yeah, seed tears. So when you sow that tear, it goes into heaven's ground, and God says, I'm going to get you back for that. And it's not going to be like, it's going to be like, you're going you're gonna to reap joy for that. Everyone, those that sow in tears will reap in joy. So the life that you live, the, the tears, and I've I'm, I'm, I'm been calling it, 2015 is a year of redemption. Start calling it in. God, all the, all the junk that I've gone through, all the pain, all the sorrow, all the frustration, all the years and decades of garbage that's been going on in my life, I'm calling it in, Lord, you're a redeemer, you are a good, good father, and I'm believing that I'm going to reap in joy. And we're not talking about circumstantial happiness. We're talking about something inside of you that is bubbling up. No matter what your past, no matter how bad and jaded and reasons that you have to be bitter, God says you're going to be better. God says you're going to be filled with joy. You're going to be filled with life because of all the tears. I'm going to make sure that your life is better. It's not too late. Look at your neighbor and say, it's not too late. And number two. And I need to hurry. I, I know I got real preachy today. Number one, we remember the price that he paid. And number two, we remember the promise that he made. We remember the price that he paid and the promise that he made. The bread that was broken, all that for us, for our sorrow, for our sin, for our shame, for our sickness, all that broken, that body broken. And the second area is the blood of the new covenant. Right? Drink the wine. When you drink the wine, remember when you drink the wine. That my blood was poured out to establish a new covenant. Check this out. Hebrews 10. How many know that there was an old covenant? All right, listen. The old covenant says you better do right. You better be right. You better perform at a high level. Or else. So check this out. The day is coming. Hebrews 8. Says the Lord that I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. The covenant will, be, will not be like the one that I made with their ancestors. When I took them by the hand and led them out of the land of Egypt. They didn't remain faithful to my covenant. So I turned my back on them, says the Lord. Oh, <laughs> Lord, that's not very kind. <laughs> but so because I am kind, because this is the covenant, this is the agreement. You didn't keep it. And, and it says this is, in, in other passages of Scripture and talks about the law. It says the fault was in the people. It wasn't in the law. It's not that the law was bad. It was the people were bad. They were incapable. They're incompetent of keeping God's expectation. Just like you, just like me, we're incapable of fulfilling the perfect standard that we're supposed to call to. Jesus said, be perfect, even as my Father in heaven is perfect. Oh, well, nobody's perfect. Well, it doesn't change what he expects. What are you going to do about it? So God said, well, you don't have to do anything about it. I'll do something about it. <laughs> I'll make a new covenant. <laughs> But this is the new covenant. I will make the people of Israel on that day, says the Lord. I will put my law on their mind, and I'll put it in their hearts. He's talking about the spirit. 
the Holy Spirit, the residing presence of God. He said, I will be their God and they will be my people. I will possess them and they will possess me. That's what I'm talking about. And they will not need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, you should know the Lord. For everyone from the least to the greatest will know me already, and I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never remember again their sins. Never again remember their sins. When God speaks, listen, this is so good. This is a good verse right here, especially for people that are trying to get you all like the bind of the law and like, oh, you need to be a Jew. You need to keep the Levitical law, which we can have those conversations later. I mean, you know, there were, there were moral truths in the, the Levitical law, right, that we need to keep. There are moral truths in there. But you don't have to keep all the ceremonies and these little things and dates and times and all. This is what it says. This is when God speaks of a new covenant, it means he made the first one obsolete. So next time someone comes in to you and they're trying to pressure you with, oh, you've got to, you know, grow your beard or you've got to not eat bacon or crawfish. You slap them with the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Say, I will eat my crawfish. I will eat my shrimp. Say, you quote this scripture to him. It said, when God speaks of a new covenant, he has made the first one obsolete. That's why when Jesus was on the cross, he said it is finished. The old covenant is finished. But you know, when Jesus said it's finished, he was also saying it starts. The new covenant. It, will now, it is now out of date and will soon disappear. So it was good. It set the stage for Jesus. Then Jesus came, the, the old way is gone. So the old one, the old covenant, it was based upon our performance. The new covenant is based upon his promise. Not my commitment to him, but his commitment to me. Right? Because you're committed to the Lord. That's good. He likes that. He likes that you're trying to roll out the red carpet for him. He likes that. He sees your desire to please him. But he also knows you're going to fall short. I'll send Jesus to snap you in line. The promise to receive all that Jesus paid for. All those things Jesus paid for, are the con- that is the contract of the new covenant. This is what you get. You get this, you get this, you get healing, you get joy. You get forgiveness of sins. You get all that. This is the contract, and it's my commitment to you. So, Lord, what do I have to do to get it? Trust Jesus. They asked Jesus something like this. They said, Lord, what is, what is the works God requires? And he goes, the work that God requires is this, to believe in the one he sent, to trust me. We're not talking about Disney fairytale. We're talking about trust, like what you're doing in that chair right there today. You just rest. Say, God, I believe your promises are good. I believe that you're a good father and you've given me all these things. And I know I screw up and I know I blow it, but it's really about your commitment to me. The old covenant was obedience based upon your labor. The new covenant is the yielding of our will based upon love. Listen, obedience is involved under both covenants. But it's heart-driven obedience. That's the difference. It's, it's the obedient spirit that you have. It's the rolling out of the red carpet. Say, God, I really, I really just want you to be pleased. And he's like, I love that. The standard's too high. Here's Jesus. 
is it you guys know what it is like when someone like you know when you tease a kid with like candy and they're like right <laughs> right <laughs> you're like <laughs> so he didn't ra- lower the standard god didn't go all oh, the standards down here now no he actually raised it up higher and then he gave us a ladder to get to it here you go trust jesus trust the ladder to reach my standard because my standard is a standard of the heart First John 1 John 1.17, and then we'll go close. For the law was given through Moses. See, the law, the old covenant, was given through a man. This is the gospel today. The old covenant, the law, was given through Moses. Through a man, right? Given through Moses. So we call it the Mosaic law. But grace and truth came through Jesus. So God isn't calling you to be a disciple of Moses. Right? He's calling you to be a disciple of Jesus. Grace and truth came through Jesus. Grace and truth. The latter. So today, we're going to pass out that communion, and, uh, and I'll, I want to pray today for a few minutes. I know we've had a little bit extended time on worship today, but I, I really feel like that we need to spend a few minutes uh, ministering to needs, straightening out crooked places. Can I have one of those? So what we've got is we've got these little communion cups here for you, and if you peel off the top layer, if you can get it, there's a little bread, and then you can peel off the bottom one. We're going to take it together, so... Once you guys get these passed out, we'll do that. Clever inventions, right? <laughs> Are we? All right. You don't get this for me? Oh, okay. <laughs> Dalton got it figured out. I think the key is to open the top one first. All right. Y'all ready? Let's just think about the Lord. Lord, we thank you, Jesus, for the price that you paid. Lord, that body, God, we, we look back at that broken body that day. Lord, you carried our sorrows. Lord, you took our punishment. We thank you for being broken for us. 
He was broken so you don't have to be broke. <laughs> Physically, spiritually, emotionally, you don't have to be broke. He was broken so you could be fixed.